Hello and welcome to the Write For Your Life podcast. Today we're going to be talking about writing for children and I'm joined by children's author and my actual real life mother-in-law, Catherine White. Hello Catherine. Good morning Ian. And actually in person as well, so we mainly do the podcast over Skype as I think most people know, but you're actually here, which is always nice. Absolutely, yes. I've, I've come to see my beautiful new twins. <laughs> Indeed, and hopefully they won't be crying too much downstairs, <laughs> although I can hear them now. Um, so we're going to talk about writing for children. It's not something I know a huge amount about, having never done it, so it's good to have an expert here. Um, first of all, though, how did you get started? So you're, you're widely published. You're not just someone who has one book. You have lots and lots of books and have been doing this for years, haven't you? Yes, I've been writing for, um, I think it must be 12 years now. And uh, I've got a number of different publishers. And um, how did I get started? Well, it was a hot summer uh, when Charlie was young. She would have been about, I don't know, five, something like that. And she's now 18. She's just gone off to university. And she's your youngest daughter? She's my youngest daughter. And it was a very hot summer. And I just remember um, coming up with a picture book idea. And just feeling that I needed to write something down to get it down on paper. And um, and that's how it started. It just it was out of the blue, a bolt out of the blue. Having said that, because I um, have a big family, so I've got a number of children before Charlie. Um, I read so many books and picture books with them and it just became such a great love of mine to sit down and read with the kids and enjoy the different books and look at them critically as well that um, that's sort of what that that was the seed that that brought about my desire to write picture books I think. So you hadn't done much writing before? I hadn't done any really I mean I did a bit of teenage poetry like you do and sort of expressive stuff which is very private um you know but um no no I hadn't done any writing before it had been very very much sort of child focused as I say and being involved in the sort of things that mums of that generation were involved in which was play groups and nursery schools and stuff like that so it was just through a love of reading the books to the children that brought that about, more than anything. And was there ever any intention to get it published? Was, it always, um, was that always the goal, or was it just a case of just writing just for fun almost at first? Um, it was very strange how it happened, because um, the, book that, the first book that was published, the picture book, was published by OUP called When They Fight... And I just remember sitting down and I wrote um, a poem about how it felt when my parents used to fight when I was a child. Now, given that I was in my 40s, you can't express that when you're little. And it just was suddenly like a, a door opening and unlocking. And I was able to express exactly how I felt when I was young. Um, in kind of adult terms, but in a way that other children could understand too. And I sat down, it was 192 words, I remember that poem was. <laughs> and uh, when I sent it off to OUP, the editor there said that I was the best paid author per word for my work, <laughs> which was really nice. <laughs> and what, and, but what, why, why writing for children then? So why, why um, uh, you talked about... Um, the fact that it came out of uh, reading to Charlie, reading children's books, but have you never sort of been tempted to write for adults? 
since then or, or, or even at the time? Um, no, I don't think I have. I'm, I'm very, very selective also about the adult books that I read. So I will read one or two, I'm ashamed to say, adult books a year. Mm. And those books are books that I hear about that are recommended. Um, the two recent ones are A is for <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> Um, so actually, I've read A is for Angelica twice. So there's well, a you, recommendation. You, know, you might miss it in the first time round. <laughs> um, and the other one is Ancient Light by John Banville, which I've recently um, read, which I love. And I love his language. Um, but I haven't really been drawn to writing adult books. It's, it's been a desire to, to just have fun and enjoy the writing for kids and and what actually cements that is when I go into schools um, working with children on the books and seeing how they respond to the texts and talking to them about writing and reading um, that is just the, it's just such fun doing that with I think, kids. I think that is quite an interesting thing about writing picture books and um, I mean I've performed with you a couple of times as a crocodile once. Um, <laughs> Brilliant crocodile. I thanks have very to say. much. Thanks, thank you. Um, but it is almost like um, it isn't just the book. There is a life beyond the book as a children's author. You do you can go into schools or you can read that I guess to your own children or to your children's children. Uh, that's grandchildren, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and and but there's, there's a life beyond it. So you can. It, it's not just. Um, it's not just the words and the page. It's the, well, I guess it's the illustration to think about as well. But also, um, it's the performance. It's a bit like poetry. Is, yeah. Does that sound right? It it's it is. It it's kind of like a performance, but it is a completely different thing. Writing for children is completely different. The responses you get. Um, the the sort of interaction that you have, uh, you just get a, a um, to me at the moment it feels very very valuable. It's something that I really enjoy doing, and it's, it's as I say, it's the fun of it too. So it's quite light for me. It's not a heavy thing. Even when I wrote the poem about conflict in the home, it was done in such a way as it wasn't complicated. You know, it wasn't intense. It was it was just a much lighter, um, easier, more natural way to express myself through writing for children. And is there a difference between writing for different age groups? Because, I mean, you do do picture books, but you've written stuff yeah. for, for teenagers mm-hmm. as well. It's got, I mean, it must be an entirely different uh, mindset, isn't it? It is, but it still has that element of fun. So with um, the Pitch Pond Curse, which is a very popular story for um, sort of pre-teen, I suppose, it's, it's just verging on the teen. Um, it's great fun. It's fantasy and you know, quite often I work with the children on on ghost stories and you can really get them into it because I think that children don't have the same social barriers in a way that adults have that keep them back. So when you go in and you do events with them, they just put 100% into those events and you just pick up on all that energy and enthusiasm. Yeah, I think, just to touch on that again, I I think that there will be a lot of people who listen to this podcast who might want to write for children and perhaps haven't considered the fact that it's something that they will more than likely have to perform and, and um, I'm not even sure perform is the right word, but sort of read with a group of children. It's kind of, that's part of the job almost as a children's author. It's kind of, that's expected. I mean, I know that 
I mean, I do readings and things like that of, of, of my adult fiction, but it's not quite the same thing, is it? It's a really interactive... Your book becomes an interactive piece almost. I think, I think it is... I think it is more important to be able to connect with the children and read with them if you're if you're specifically a children's author. Um, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of <clears throat> writers that come in to write children's book like celebrity authors mm. who don't have that need. They might, as Madonna did, have the one sitting where she read about her Roses book, her sort of teen book. Um, but... You know, she doesn't connect with them as on an ongoing basis. And um, I think it's really, really important because children need that. They need to meet you. They mm. need to talk to you. They need to ask you questions about writing and your characters and everything. They have this desire to, to know so much. Whereas, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I presume that adults don't have that same desire. They're interested in the story and, you know, the, the characters to a degree. But they don't have this desire to learn in the mm. same way as a child does, you know. That's true, and, the, mm. and I guess a, a, a child has a bit more of an open mind as well, I, mm. might, I might imagine. Mm. <laughs> um, what do you say to the people that say that writing for children is easier than writing for adults, and that's why people... Because pe- I think there are so many people who say, well, I'll, I'll write a children's book almost like it's um, their ten a penny. You can just sort of knock one out. Mm. You hear it all the time. Mm. i tell you what, I go into schools, and the amount of times that people will come up Quite often, teachers will come up and say, "Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could write a children's book." And and I say, "Well, do it. Sit down and do it." Um, I think it, it's it's more complicated because you've got leveling, so you have to look at the age range that you're writing for. As you can imagine, there's a big difference. There is a big difference between a six-year-old and a nine-year-old in the, the level, but the content of the book, what's going to interest them. So you've got to get all that right. And, I mean, with picture books, um, you know, getting a full story with characters into a 12-page spread can be very, very difficult at times. You have to learn to be very ruthless and cut out text and also know what an illustrator can bring to a book. So it's important to know how that illustrator will add to that story so that you don't have to put those words in. So how do you work with an an illustrator? Because you don't do your own illustrations, do you? So what's what's the process for working with? Well, the the latest book that I've been working on, which is... is... This is where writing for children is hard because I've had to write a book about a snowman and it's it's been um, a commission. Yeah. So I've had to write a book about a snowman. So the idea has not come from in here, from my head. So it's much harder from that. You've got to see how other people are viewing it. Mm. So they gave me a brief to write this picture about a snowman. And I've actually got to take a snowman scuba diving. (laughs) That sounds like, I hope the water's quite chilly. Exactly. (laughs) And um, he's he's also riding camels in the Sahara Desert. Oh, that's not going to work. (laughs) Well, this this is it, you see. So you've got to get into that that mindset. But but also with the illustrations, I've been working with the editor and she said, you know, we can put that comment in the corner and the illustrator will show that as an illustration. Quite often the editor will act as a barrier between you and the illustrator to make sure there's no conflict on the text. But also um, they're a good balance too. 
and they can actually um, help the book come along in a in a, a sort of a more creative way. So an editor will actually act between an author and an illustrator, and it works very well like that. And how much input do you have? Can you, because uh, you, presumably, you, I mean, maybe not in the Snowman case, but you, most of the time you would have had the idea, so this would be, you know, your characters. Do you have much uh, say in how those characters you, look on the page? You don't. Quite, quite often <clears throat> you don't. I mean, the, the, you, you do with basic things, like what, there was a book... Um, called uh, Sharks on the Loose that I wrote for sort of age seven to eight. And I noticed that the illustrator had literally put a punchline as an illustration on the page before the punchline was given. So obvious things like that, I was able to say, well, you know, perhaps we should shift this so that children get that surprise later visually. So you can do things like that. But unless you're J.K. Rowling, or Julia Donaldson, I don't think I, I don't even know if Julia Donaldson would have a lot of input with Axel Scheffler. I'm sure that he's very set on what he wants to see as an illustrator. Mm. Um, so you you don't have a great deal, I don't think. And would you typically work with the same illustrator all the time, or would you, or is it a bit mix and match? It's it's very mixed, and people often ask me this when I'm, you know, they sort of say, how do you get your illustrator? And one of the things that I say to people who want to start writing picture books is they say, I've got the story, and I know somebody who's going to do the illustrations for me. And the first thing I say is, don't do it, because um, picture book publishers have um, a bank of favourite illustrators that they like to use. They've also got new illustrators waiting in the wing that they want to try out. And they find it so irritating getting a great text with what they think is the baggage of an illustrator. So if you're going to write a picture book and submit it, it's very important as a writer that you just put the text in. Mm. This has been my experience so far anyway. Yeah. You know. um, we talked about sharks and I know there's some crocodiles. There's a lot of animals featuring not just your fiction but children's fiction, which I find quite interesting because I have um, anyone who's read my novel, Ace for Angelica, already mentioned, available from all good bookshops and Amazon, um, that uh, there's a dog called Kipling, and he's quite an endearing little dog, and uh, when people read it, they almost always go, oh, the poor dog. It's almost the first, <laughs> first sort of character they talk about, even though he's not in the entire novel. Although that's a bit of a spoiler there. Um, <laughs> Um, but it's, it's, um, I loved writing Kipling's character and mm. because he had to be a character he wasn't just a dog he was actually he played a part in the story he makes things happen his, his sort of um, uh, behaviour he doesn't say anything of course because he's a dog but th- what he does and what happens to him influences the rest of the story so characterising an animal is quite a difficult thing that's pretty much all you, all you kind of do in some of your picture books because they're entirely mm. it's entirely animal based yeah um, it's something that you've chosen to do quite a lot, isn't it? Use animals in your books. Is there any particular reason why why animals? Well, strangely, I mean, like you, you say that you love writing about Kipling mm. in, in A is for Angelica. I, I found that actually telling stories visually in picture books through animal... Um, you know, animal characters um, and the illustrations of animals. Animals are extremely funny. I mean, if you look at the meerkats adverts and things like that, they can pull out more humour 
from uh, an animal character than you can, I think, from a human character. Um, the, The first picture book, which was The Badgers, I have to confess, I wrote that thinking of the characters as children and I assumed that they would be illustrated as children but this is where you were talking about having um, input Mm. as far as the illustrations are concerned the publisher said to me that because it was dealing with such um, a raw emotional um, subject that they felt they should remove that visual of a child and a family and turn it into animal characters Mm. which does remove it enough for a child to be able to pick up on what the story is about but not take it personally too personally not be too upset by it yes so i think that kicked off the whole thing about how you use animals in illustrations and how you can convey various emotions through animals so and is there a case that an animal can be very neutral so a crocodile an an unspecified crocodile could be any gender any race and there's none of that none of that baggage so children just focus on the sort of the story maybe the moral of the story if it is that Uh, absolutely right Ian. that's probably uh you know quite a yeah quite a sharp point that that you don't have any baggage with it you've just got the story which is very true no idea what that bang was (laughs) hopefully everything's all right downstairs um you mentioned madonna and celebrity children's books um, we're both in the position, coming up to Christmas, you've got lots of books out, I've got my first book out, and the truth of the matter is, our books will probably, well, yours might be, but mine certainly won't be the f- on, in the front of the shop, because there'll be lots of celebrity memoirs, also celebrity novels, which probably weren't written by them, um, there's lots of celebrities that write children's books. Mm. Do you find it frustrating, or do you think, well, that's okay, because they sell lots of copies, and they help prop up the rest of the industry? What's your take? Um, I think... In, in, in all honesty, I think it's a shame because celebrity books will often kill um, stories from dedicated children's authors. You know, I think that, that the more that you narrow the shelf space for um, children's books by putting a celebrity face on the cover, the less opportunity a child has to discover new writers. I mean, children love Jacqueline Wilson and, um, you know, they came to Jacqueline Wilson themselves. Jacqueline wasn't sold to them. They just love her stories. Mm. Um, And the same with J.K. Rowling. Mm. You know, J.K. Rowling was not a celebrity writer. She brought something to children's books. And I think those people are invaluable. I think they're fantastic. Um, I think... Uh, Madonna and um, Katie Price um, you know I'm sure that they had fun writing the books but I just don't feel that they they have the same attitude towards producing a children's story Mm. as say a children's author will because there's that experience behind them you know Um, I I just think that JK um, has developed and she's brought more books out and more books out and she's written for a different reason she hasn't written um to say i'm i'm a i don't know a model or you know but i i can write children's books jk Rowling's written because she's wanted to write that children's book and she will and her and many other people will continue to write books i think that's perhaps my slight gripe is that kind of because you're already already a household name 
whatever you do, it will sell and you will get the shelf space and you will yeah. gain prominence. And then you will do, then, then, then those people might just, well, and they often do just disappear. Yeah. And you kind of think, well, they've just sort of <laughs> popped up, made a load of money, made the money for the publisher, which is the, kind of where the debate really is, I think. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then to disappear again, it's kind of, it's being, it's kind Quite. of being an author temporarily. I mean, I know it's a bit scathing, but I think it's almost like you're getting uh, very, very good authors pushed off the shelf for the hobby of a celebrity for mm. a few months and I think that that's a shame I mean you know that there might well be some very very good celebrity writers who could write good adult novels comedy I know that some um a celebrity tv celebrities write very good comedy for adults um I think that's different I think that there is just this element of I think I'm going to write um a few children's books just you know, throw them out here and there, like with Madonna, with these um, teen books that she wrote for girls. And there's not that lasting commitment to doing it. Like you said, Jacqueline Wilson, I think, has written hundreds of books over the years just for the love of it. And you can see that that goes into the story. And, you, and, and I guess, of course, you think, would, would they have been published, those books, if they were... If she just sent... No-one no had heard of Madonna. Imagine a world where no-one's heard of Madonna. <laughs> and she submits her stories to um, a publisher. What, what are the chances that they're going to get published? Well, exactly. Very slim, like the rest of us. It's yeah. always, you've always got a slim chance. OK, finally, I'd just like to talk a little bit about your writing process, because I know that you have... Um, what I would say is something I've tried to do and fail miserably, but you have a very good productivity tip. Very busy woman, always got stuff going on the go. Um, but you just sort of have your laptop open all the time in the living room, don't you? And they, if you get 10 minutes or an idea, you just go and write. And it sounds like such an obvious thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way you've got to do it, isn't it? You've got to, if you get, I mean, I've, the, the, recently, I've woken up at about four or five in the morning, which is when I find sometimes I get fantastic ideas and I get woken up at five in the morning and only on the, the, the last two occasions I've gone off to sleep and I haven't written them down and I've forgotten them. And, you know, it's it's... I think I'm never, ever going to let that happen again. I must have a notebook beside the bed. So I, I do put ideas down uh, onto the laptop. And the other thing I do is when I'm very busy, um, I've had to do a lot of editing on books. I just try to keep at the books on and off, even if it's just chipping in and off sort of for 10 minutes a day mm -hmm. to do a little bit of editing on a paragraph just to keep that connection with the books anywhere I can I might not be able to sit and write for a few hours at a time but if you're very busy I find just looking even rereading something and checking it out and saying well maybe I'll alter that tomorrow mm. or the next day it's just keeping the connection there and not losing that connection with the writing I think that's a very good advice um and where do, where do the ideas ready to come from I mean have you got a set way of doing things because I tend to because uh, I'm a a very sort of um well i'm i'm let's let's call myself a novelist so it's kind of one big idea and then you have another big idea and then and that's it presumably you have lots of books well i know you have more than one book on the go at, at once quite often mm. um and you've written many and i guess i guess they're shorter so they perhaps don't take as long mm. um how do you where, where do you how do you keep coming up with the ideas for different things well i don't know i think that's that's the fun of it isn't it that that they sort of 
the, the ideas just pop up from what happens around. And I think with children's book, because you can write about fun things more, you can write more humour. I've just finished um, a picture book called Coconut Boogie, which is doing the rounds at the moment. And it's, it's just about um, animals dancing together and trying to solve a problem. So it's a problem-solving book about how they're going to get this coconut down from the tree. Um, and... I don't know, they just sort of pop into your head and you just have to put them down very quickly. I do, uh, when I do the, um, the school visits, I take in a number of news items with me to show the children because there's one or two that I find very interesting that I think will inspire them. And one of them is um, a news item about dancing robots because in Japan they've actually produced robots that teach people how to dance the foxtrot and things like that and they just program these robots to to and and i think things like that are just so inspiring for children's books and i say to the kids you know imagine if one of these robots went awol and and sort of said i don't want to be a dancer i want to be a superhero and stuff like that and started to kick up and kids love things like that so you can pull a lot of ideas in from news items and i do it, it you know you i think as a writer and you'll probably agree you're kind of like a sponge Mm. And you pick comments up and you look at people and through the day you absorb all these things and process them mm. and regurgitate them. And then they come out on paper as ideas. Mm. So I think that's what happens. It's from a lot of different areas that you get your ideas. Yes, I'm, I, I listen to um, people's conversations on buses and things like that. Mm. I have like... noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep out of the way so they don't see that I'm listening. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for joining us today, Catherine. It feels a bit odd calling you um, uh, my mother-in-law on, on a live to the world, but um, uh, but it's true, so yeah, therefore, why not, eh? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's been lovely, lovely to be able to talk to you and to come see my beautiful twin grandsons. I know. I mean, it's just so inspiring having them here. They're just so gorgeous. I just want to sit and cuddle them all the time, so no, I'm not going to get much writing done, Ian. <laughs> Me <laughs> neither. Uh, you get to go home. Um, okay, right, so where can people... Um, well, where, if you just give us an overview of... Um, a quick overview of your book. So if anyone's... Uh, people are parents that are listening, just sort of a couple of books that uh, um, for which age groups that they might... Uh, want to pick up okay so the crocodile books click clack and here comes a crocodile with little tiger press mm-hmm. um and then there's a ruby series of books which is ruby school walk ruby sleepover and in the spring um ruby has a baby brother which is quite exciting and the illustrations are beautiful on that one so it's a whole series of about a highly imaginative little girl dealing with dragons and giants and ogres and things like that so that's out next year with barefoot books but if you go on to amazon and you should be able to get them all on Amazon. Indeed, or they can go to your website, which is... www.catherinewhite.net <laughs> That was a test. Um, and do you use Twitter much these days? I do. You well, I Twitter you? when I've got something to say. Yes. Yes. So, and, and Every you are so often. Catherine I. White. Oh, I don't know, Ian. Actually. I'll find it. I'll yeah. find that. I also use it a lot. Um, so I'll find that and put it in the show notes, um, yeah. uh, and you, people can find that there. And I am Ian Broom, as uh, presumably a few people know who listen. Um, I A I N B R O O M E on Twitter, and you can go to ianbroom.com forward slash blog for the blog of the podcast. Thanks very much for listening, and we shall speak to you next week. <laughs>